Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Good morning, Arizona. Happy Sunday. Looks like the lines are full, so we'll get right to them. As one's gone, one's open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. David Mesa. Good morning, David. Good morning. How are you doing today? Excellent, sir. Um, My question is, last year I bought a Murphy's Lemon and a Mexican Lime Semi-Dwarf, and... The springtime, they budded really good, a lot of flowers, a lot of small buds, but they ended up dropping almost all of them. I had um, fed them when the nursery told me to with what the with what the feed that they provided me, but I'm wanting to know why they fell. Well, David, what size trees were they that you planted? At the time, they were about five foot. Now they're about six foot over the Okay, like probably year. a 15 gallon size. So, you know, that's about the age where they start to bear. I would expect for you to have some fruit. You, the, lion, I mean, the lemon you have is probably a Meyer lemon. And typically yeah. they bear fairly young. So, what you want to do with them to keep them as healthy as you can is number one, make sure the trunks are wrapped and protect them from the sun. Okay, so they need some kind of protection on the trunks. Uh, This time of year, even in the heavier parts of the soil in Mesa, you want to water them about once a week, fairly heavy. Okay, and then it wouldn't hurt to fertilize them once a month with a light dose of fertilizer and a good balanced fertilizer like Arizona's Best or, you know, there's a lot of ones that are going to work fine on your fertilizer. It's a good balanced fertilizer and um, they should be growing pretty well. They'll kind of stop when it gets hot, but they should start to grow, you know, put out new more growth now. You should start to see some more growth as the monsoon comes along. But we don't usually worry too much about trees that young with the crop. And out in our groves, it's pretty normal. You know, if you looked at how many, especially on a Meyer lemon tree, how many blooms it has, um, if it set all the blooms, it would just crash to the ground. There's no way with this, you know, we call it a popcorn bloom because it looks like popcorn all over the tree. But when they bloom that heavily, you know, 99% of those aren't going to set fruit. They're going to fall off. And you'll see the little lemons turn yellow and drop off them. And that's pretty normal. Now, if you look at your tree up close, you might find that you have a fruit, you know a few fruit on there too, and we don't really when we go out to our groves look at the crop much until about now when it starts to get some size to it. But uh, at any rate, I wouldn't be overly concerned as the tree is growing well and look healthy. You're doing fine. And do. we, we say in farming, there's always next year. Yeah, last year the leaves curled up, but this year they seem to be doing a lot stronger. Well, you can, you can, like I say, if you want it to grow its fastest, give it a light dose of fertilizer once a month from now until October. Oh, okay. But now, mo- moderation is real key, not too much. Right be- I'm sorry, do, they, do you fertilize when they're blooming or once they bloom, you stop? Well, no, it does, that's really not going to matter that much. depends on what you use for fertilizer. We have one called OrganoPro, which we like a lot, that you can mm-hmm. use. You know, it, you know, as far as it's going to release a little slower. What we do at our, our orchards is we use mainly chicken manure as our main so- source of nitrogen because we're certified organic. And so we work in chicken manure around the trees and use chicken manure for our fertilizer. But, um, yeah. that's our main basis. You know, and then we use other things as well. But, you know, so you don't want to get too much fertilizer right before the 
the bloom, but you want them to be growing. So, you know, normally you're going to fertilize and we, the treat, the three time year thing is, you know, starts off, you know, and, and with uh, the first one in February. So early February. Okay, Valentine's Day. And then you kind of skip until about May. So you don't want to put a bunch of fertilizer and burn the blooms off, but having enough nitrogen to grow is important. Okay. Okay. Thanks, David. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, next, we've got Lucille in North Phoenix. Good morning, Lucille. Hey, we finally made it, Brian. <laughs> you're, you're here. You're live. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, is it essential that uh, you should clean off or pick all the the, uh, leftover grapefruit uh, on the tree. Well, you know, right now, Lucille, you'll still have some of the older grapefruit crop on that's still pretty edible and usable. But, you know, comes a time, you know, later on in the season by about, you know, let's say the 1st of September, where the quality of the fruit, if you're going to pick them, is not going to be very good anymore. And at that time, it would probably benefit the tree to pick them. You don't have to. They'll fall off. You know, and, and they won't fall off, though, probably until later, like around December. Wow, that long. Well, it's just the smaller ones that were were uh, left on the tree, and I was wondering if it would hurt the new growth of the new ones. No, you know, Lucille, if you want to harvest those same grapefruit right now, they're probably still good. And uh, especially like in a ruby red or an old pink or marsh white, that fruit will still be good and usable right now. won't be as good as it was a month ago, but it's still usable. Gotcha, then. So it's, uh, it doesn't matter, though, if, if it's left on there, they'll just dry up and drop off. Yep, that's right. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Lucille. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, so let's see. Charlene in Fountain Hills. Good morning, Charlene. Good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Wonderful, now that I got to you. <laughs> well, we're here. Thanks to uh, hard work from Miss Shira. I'm calling the about boxwood beauty nettle plum. Mm-hmm. Um, my plants have been in 10 years. The boxwood beauty is a southeast exposure backyard. I fertilize February, May, August, November. I noticed the plants weren't thriving. I had to replace the valve, and everything came back except one of the beds of boxwood beauty. I don't know whether I damaged it because I tried to hose it from the top and salted it, or it's just that that valve location is not working. Do I rip it out and replace it or just cut it back? Well, the first thing I would do is throw a hose on it, okay, and and see if it comes back out. Because even if the wood's pretty burnt up, they might pop back out from down below. And it takes so long to grow Box of Beauty, Carissa, that I would try and invest in the fact if I can save it, I would. So I would try and water right now. Then I would fix the valve. And, you know, if not, you could turn the valve on manually. But whatever you've got to do, they're going to have to have water. And if it's, if it only looked bad for the last month or so, I think there's a good chance they may come back out from down below. But you're going to want to get the water on them right away today. Uh, my concern is that I tried that a month ago, and I was afraid that I killed them because I was adding salt to the surface. No, that shouldn't hurt them. And, and when you water with a hose, the best thing to do with your hose is just throw it down, let it run on the ground, and leach the, everything down through. And by I do- agree. Yeah. I agree. But I watered it from the top. Well, watering it from the top a few times is not going to harm them. You know, that you're not going to have enough salt and a few irrigations of hosing them down to hurt anything at all. 
Okay, so I shouldn't uh, discard them and start all over. It's well, true. I, I, it takes yeah, a long time before, for them yeah, to Before develop. you discarded them, what I would do is I would you know, make sure that they're watered one time. I'd fix the irrigation system and turn it on and let it run for an hour or two, get this ground well saturated, put it back on a regular cycle. And I think you have a good chance that they might pop some new growth out here the next few weeks. Thank you. Thanks, I'll try Charlie. that. All right, good luck. Bye-bye. Uh, Fred down in Maricopa. Good morning, Fred. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. Um, I live on the side of a mountain. Um, well, I have virtually no soil. If you dig down, you little rocks mm-hmm. and very few uh, teaspoons of dirt between them. Okay. Despite that, I'm growing citrus, some mm-hmm. old trees, and the few I just planted, and a bunch of other plants. This time of year... The citrus wilt, and I'm watering them on a drip. The citrus wilt, if I don't water them at least once a day for an hour, that goes against everything you've been telling us. Well, no, it, well, it doesn't, it doesn't. Okay, so I grew up in Sunny Slope on the side of a hill, rocky ground, not probably had a little more soil than what you're describing, but not a lot of soil. So when you have very rocky ground and you don't have anything in there to retain any moisture, you're going to have to water more. And you don't want to water as much because the water is going to perk right down through the soil anyway because it's so gravelly and has so much air in there. If you'll put the extra water on that it takes to keep the trees happy in the rock, you can actually grow some pretty fine trees. And then you want to keep in mind, too, that you're going to fertilize more often because your fertilizer is going to leach right through the trees. And so, you know, every everything is local when it comes to watering. You know, if you're in heavy clay and mesa, you know, you're going to water a lot different than you are in your rocks. But so our cycle is just, you know, basically giving people an idea concept. You know, we have a field in Mesa and we have a field in Hyder. Hyder, we have a lot sandier soil. In Hyder, we water once a week. In Mesa, we water about once every 10 days to two weeks. And that's because of our soil difference. But your soil difference, if you're in rock that just drains really fast, you may have to water every day. Now, what you can do is, you know, if you're going to plant new trees, you could come through there and excavate a larger hole, take the rock out and fill it with some clay or mix some clay with the rocks that retain more moisture. And then, you know, for your lifetime, you'll use less water because you'll have water retention in your soil. Well, with what I'm stuck with, um, you know, is, is once or twice a day for an hour Acceptable. I mean, the trees seem to. Well, depend, that, depending will. on how fast your water is coming on, I don't know if it's going to need the whole hour, but you're going to want to put it spread out around the base of the tree with, with several emitters, you know, uh-huh. fairly slow because if you put it on fast, it's going to run past your tree roots. And, you know, when your soil is that porous, uh, you're going to put it on with smaller emitters, okay? Might have to be daily. And it's almost like growing hydroponic trees. So you can grow some really nice trees that way. But as with hydroponics, you're not going to get anything out of the rock. You know, if you had some soil in there, you have some, you know, minerals to stay. So you're going to have to fertilize probably a minimum of once a month. How? Well, you could throw granular on there or you could use liquid. I mean, liquid's the easiest. And if you would want to take the time to invest in an injection system where you can inject liquid fertilizer, you know, into your plants, I mean, that's going to work really well. And especially if you use something like liquid organic, because it's going to have larger particles. So if you wanted to, you know, the most expensive, best fertilizer you could probably put on those trees would be fish emulsion. Um, Do I put the fertilizer around the drip system or scatter around the whole tree? Well, you could put it, the easiest thing to do, if you don't have any kind of a system, unless you're going to put an injection system in, would be to take it and mix it up in a bucket and just pour it right around where the emitters are. 
you know, and, and do that and then come back and water over the top of it. But you're going to have to stay pretty regular. The other thing you could use is it's like a granulized, uh, you know, pelletized chicken manure. And you could put that in right, you know, right around the middle so it's basically breaking down when it gets water every time and going down. Or you could use a long-term fertilizer synthetic like Osmocote, which you could put in that'll take about, you know, here in the summertime, about six weeks to release. So you put it in and it releases over the next six weeks. How do you put it on? Now you can just, it's it's granular on the the Osmocote. You just put it around the base of the tree and let that, where the emitters are going to be so the water can take it down. What about putting uh, something uh, on my drip system? There are cartridges. Mm-hmm. You could, yeah, you can do that. You can put cartridges in and that would work very well. You know, and that's kind of, that's how we do it. We basically inject liquid chicken manure into some of our groves and uh, or we we ditch run it into some of the groves too and uh, that way we're just mixing it right in with the water. It goes in with the water where the water goes, the fertilizer goes, where the water is is where the trees are going to have roots and it works very well. So that's probably the, the preferred method is to mix it in the water. So with a little cartridge that will go into the system and just run it constantly so put the the solid cartridges in 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 the emitters and let them dissolve well there's going to be ones there are systems set up where you can buy cartridges that go right into the cartridge into the system and that works well you can set it up with a valve with a venturi system where you could take it in with water pressure you could look on the internet i'll show you what a venturi system looks like and it's just a difference in water pressure where it'll suck out of a you know a bucket you could do something like that as well but a constant supply of a light dose of fertilizer in that rocky soil is going to work the best fred i fred i'm going to let you go because i got to take a break but uh, appreciate the call Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's see. Jim, you'll be up next, followed by uh, Ben and Jerry. And we've got two lines available. Number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Sunday morning. We do have two lines available. The number to call 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Jim in Apache Junction. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. Yes, sir, Mr. Jim. You hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you fine. Oh, great. 
Um, my call is about uh, planning to talk to you. Okay. Yeah, your phone's kind of cutting in and out a little bit, Jim. If, if, if you're on a speaker or something, if you could pick up the phone handset. That's probably it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, folks, I mean, it's a lot easier when, when it comes through because sometimes it gets a little sketchy here. Hey, Jim, we got the handset? Yes, sir. All righty. So the question is, uh, I, I planted some air-rooted those okay. I was thinking low maintenance, low cost way, greenery, my desert plants. However, they not take a fruit. How long and have you had them in, Jim? Uh, in January, February. Okay, they you know that's they take a long time to root and get established. You know they're not that quick. Have you been watering them at all? No. Okay, so until we get some monsoon, if you you know you could probably go out today and water them one time, be a good thing to do. If we get some monsoon going, that's going to really help them. If not, you could put them on a drip where they got like on a little like a one gallon at a time drip, so not a lot of water. Put it a little way away from the plant, like a foot away, so that it goes to where the roots are, but doesn't saturate it. And if you put them on a one gallon emitter, running about two or three days a week. Um, just with a little bit of water, uh, they'll probably root faster. You know, they really haven't had anything to root on. We haven't had a monsoon season. We haven't had moisture or rain. So they've had nothing to, you know, to get started with. But that doesn't mean that they're dead. I mean, Ocotillos will live like that, just planted them. If you go scrape the wood, they're probably all green. So if you give them a little light dose of water, heavy dose one time, and then a light dose two or three times a week if you want to, not to saturate them, just some water out beside them. Or if the monsoon really kicks in, then they'll probably start to grow and green in. Thank you for the advice. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Ben in North Phoenix. Hello, Ben. Hi, Brian. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. We're doing much better since Shira saved our phone system. <laughs> <laughs> I love your show. listen to it every Sunday. Here, here's my dilemma. I bought an American Mesquite from you guys about three years in October ago. Mm-hmm. So this year it it got all pods and flowers. Mm-hmm. So there's pods everywhere, or whatever you call them, the pea pods. Seeds, yeah. Huh? Yeah. So I don't know if there's something I did differently. About six months ago, I kind of cut the water off. Mm-hmm. But first year I got the pods was this year. Well, they can have pods, and it's just going to depend on how much seed they have with how much flower they have. And okay. they're not near as seedy as a native mesquite is. But, uh, you know, they're probably pretty similar to a Chilean mesquite where they're going to have some flowers and seed pods every year. And uh, the main thing in that tree that we really like about it is its strength. I mean, so it's it's one that takes more wind and and is stronger wooded than a lot of other mesquites and it's thornless. And it should stay pretty evergreen for you. But as far as having flowers and pods, we expect it to. Okay. All right. It's a beautiful tree, though. It's gorgeous. Well, and it should be yeah. a pretty strong tree, but the, yeah, they do have, you know, if we had one that was didn't have flowers and pods, definitely that would change. But until we find a better <laughs> one than that one, and that's one that I, you know, I patented about, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. But yeah. uh, it, okay. it's a nice tree because it's a four way cross and it's got, you know, the hybrid vigor, but it does have seeds and it does have blooms. Okay. 
Okay, I just wondered if it's something that I did. No, it's 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 just uh, it's just happy. It just wants to procreate. Okay, just a nature. Okay, thank you, sir. Thanks, Ben. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we got Jerry Manuel, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Good morning, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing? Great. I'm uh, calling about uh, Nopalis. Uh-huh. Um, the, these are five years old, and they are... Shriveling up. Are they getting any water, Jerry? Uh, well, yeah, they get. They're on the same system as the rest of the shrubs in this landscape. I cannot uh, separate them out. Well, and that you know that shouldn't hurt them. What, what are you running the drips about once a week or so? Yeah. Well, that that shouldn't hurt them. I mean, they'll actually, you know, if they're grown commercially for food, like they grow them down around Hermosillo, Mexico, you know, those fields are all irrigated. So, you know, they don't grow them without irrigation. And so the irrigation that weekly irrigation on drip should be fine. Uh, no gophers or anything around them, is there? No, no, no gophers. Yeah, I wouldn't but, uh, know what else would bother them too much. I mean, it's a hardy plant. Uh, do they absorb atmospheric moisture absolutely yeah i mean you know they're a punta or a prickly pear species so they absolutely do but you know we haven't had you know the, so far this summer we've gotten a little better i mean we have we've definitely had a higher you know dew point here the last few weeks but um you know there's nothing that should have hurt them with our with our weather we've had this year at all yeah um could you clear up for us what you mean by a light fertilizing well, it depends on the size plant that we're putting on it. But, you know, there's so many different kinds of fertilizer. And some are organic and some are synthetic. Most are synthetic. So whether you buy miracle Grow or you buy a 21714 lawn fertilizer, those are synthetics. And so that nitrogen, especially if they're based on ammonium nitrate, it's going to release very quickly here in the summertime. So we have to be careful not to put too much on. And we can put it on in more applications. So it's always better to fertilize on a more regular, constant, if you're going to use a synthetic, a more constant program than to put it all in one time. And we see a lot of plants and trees, you know, basically that get burned by using too much, especially here in the summertime when it's hot and it releases fast. So we just have to be careful. Now, depending on what you're putting it on, you're going to usually have a label and it's going to tell you how to spread it and how to use it. But if you're using any of these synthetic fertilizers here in the summertime, I would really recommend using half of the recommended dose, whether it be on the 21714 on a lawn or, you know, if you're going to use something as simple as Miracle Grower Peters on, on a shrub and a container outside, you know, any of those synthetics, I would use half the dose. Now, we don't have to be as careful if we're using organics. Things like chicken manures right. and fish emulsions and those aren't going to release as fast because of the form of nitrogen they have. So we can put more of that on a time. Now, the one difference is if we have old school chicken manure, so not the one you buy at the store, but the one you get from a chicken, it's got an awful mm-hmm. lot of nitrogen when it comes out of a chicken. Out of a chicken, it's mm-hmm. like 10%. And what it does, it vaporizes and volatilizes. So if you use fresh mm-hmm. chicken manure, you got to be careful not to use too much. But with the composted chicken manures, you know, it, it's fairly safe. And same way with the fish emulsion. Jerry, thanks okay. for the call. 
Have a nice weekend. I've got to to take a break here and find out what's happening in the world. We'll be right back after the news. In the meantime, we do have two lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. It's Sharon Bryan with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Sundays from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. Ice cream castles in the air And feather cannons everywhere Look at clouds that way But now they only block the sun They rain and they snow on everyone Joni Mitchell brings us some clouds. That was just a little cloud song today, folks, because uh, the next verse is beautiful about life. But uh, we had to play the cloud version today because we want the monsoons to come. And we want to look at clouds all over the sky, from up and down. We can go up in the mountains and have the low clouds with some fog. We can use that this year. So... Thanks, Joni. Anyway, welcome back to the show. We've got uh, three lines on to open the number to call 602-277-5827-277. KTAR, Manuel in Phoenix. Good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm okay. I'm trying to lower my radio here. Okay. Appreciate it. So a lot of the people Thank listening, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, I have a question. On my uh, palo, uh, ironwood, mm-hmm. yeah, um, the uh, one of the branches seems to be eaten up by I don't know if it's the woodpeckers because I have a lot of woodpeckers on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live up in the mountain preserves in uh, Sunny Smoke up there, and um, I have a lot of stuff that comes around. Uh, so I believe uh, is the uh, well the woodpeckers what they're the going to do manuals they're they're going to make holes in it usually in a round circle around in the wood and they'll definitely go into ironwoods. Uh, do you water uh, your ironwoods, Manuel? Um, not as much as I used to. They're pretty well. Um, what do you call it? Uh, established. Yeah. Established. Thank you. Um, my Joe Biden syndrome kicks in every so often. Mm-hmm. So so this thing um, is about uh, the area where they're needing it. Is um, the, the the trunk is around sixteen inches around, and the area where they're eating it is about uh, ten inches. Uh, oh, in so, so they're actually taking five. the bark off, Manuel. Oh, they took the bark. Okay, so so what that's going to be, Manuel? That's going to be rodents. 
Okay. Really? And the ground squirrels usually won't eat that mature of wood. You know, we have a lot of ground squirrel. I grew up here in Sunny Slope, but you know, we have oh, wow. a lot of ground squirrels and, and they usually won't eat the mature wood like that. Um, you know, oftentimes it's one of those European rats, you know, a roof rat and the rats oh, will definitely cool. go up there. Pack rats will do it too. If you have any pack rats around and you'll see the pack rats, you'll have the big nest, you know, out there in the yard. And uh, so if you have pack rats, they'll do it, or the European rats will do it. And the reason why is because the desert is so dry right now. When you look at the mountains here in Sunny Slope, you know, our studio's right here in Sunny Slope, and we're looking at the mountains here in Sunny Slope, and they're as dry as a bone. So the little animals out there really right now are starving. And so while an ironwood wouldn't be the most enticing thing to them, you know, it's something for them to eat right now. What I'd really recommend is probably the best thing is to trap the rat. And so you can do that with the trap, but has it eaten all the way around the trunk so that it's girdled, or is it just one side? No, it's, it's, it's uh, like I say, it's uh, an area about 10 inches in length and about uh, five or six in, uh, across. Okay, but so part, so, of the, part of the branch hasn't been eaten then, right? No, it hasn't gone around it yet. Okay, so what you want to do, Manuel, today, number one, is go out and get some wire. You know, like some old rabbit wire or chicken wire and wrap it around that spot because it's going to come back out there tonight, you know, and probably start feeding on that same limb again. And when they start an area, they just keep ripping the bark up and eating the bark off it in an area. So if you go out and protect it for tonight, okay, so put some, you could paint the part that's eaten with like the black type tar type tree heel and seal up the area, seal seal that up. Yeah, seal that all up. Okay. And then wrap some wire around that branch right in that same spot because it'll come back tonight. And if you want to get them with lead, you could get them with a BB gun tonight, probably be out there. But if not, I would just get a trap and just trap them, and it's going to be a rat of some kind. Uh, The trap. By a trap, you mean like one of those things you use to uh, catch a cat? You can use a live trap. There are live traps, and there's also just a regular snap trap. But the best way to catch them in a snap trap is to get, uh, you know, like one of those milk crates. So you get a snap trap, and you set the snap trap up, you know, underneath the milk crate. Because if you don't, you're going to catch a quail or a bird or something you're going to catch in your trap. And you can use a regular snap-type trap. And then when you bait it, you want to bait it with a little piece of a meat stick. You know, meat? yeah, well, like the little meat sticks, you know, you get like, um, you know, any, any kind of one of those, it's just any kind of a meat stick or beef, beef jerky or something like that. That's hard. So you put that on there first and then you on top of that, you're going to put some peanut butter on. Okay? okay. And how I like to lure the rats in is then I get some, some almonds, some slivered almonds, and I put a few slivered almonds out there from them. So they come into the area, they eat the almonds first, and then they come looking for that peanut butter, and wham, you'll catch them. And if it's just eating that portion, it's probably only one rat. And if you catch the guy, you'll get rid of the problem. But before you let them devour any more or kill that side of the tree, you do want to seal it up with the tree hill and wrap it with wire. Okay. I got it. All right, Emmanuel. Um, thanks for the call. You, you got something else, sir? Well, no, sir. That's it. Thank you very much. Hey, thank Maybe you. I wanted to know if I could use the, the tar. Yeah, definitely use the tar and seal it up. But you're gonna if you don't stop him now, uh, he's gonna do more damage, and especially as so dry as it is. Part? No, it's, 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 it's a, no, it's a rodent. Okay. And I almost right. guarantee it's a rat. It could be a pack rat or it could be a European rat. Either one, but it's yeah, a rat that's I feeding on it. Out. Yeah, I saw another one of those, uh, some type of marsupial. I forgot the name of it. Well, we have the little, little. we have the, what we call the, the ninos or the little ground squirrels. 
You know, they're kind of the fun ones to watch. They run around and stuff, but they usually won't eat wood like that. They're going to feed on more leafy parts of the plants. And so I, w- I would think from eating the bark the way you're describing, it's going to be a rat manual. Correct. Okay. 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 Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for the help. I appreciate it. Have a nice have a Sunday. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, next up, we have Rich and Scottsdale. Good morning, Rich. Hey, morning, Brian. How are you doing? Great. Good, good. Hey, I've got the... Uh, oops, I'm getting a little feedback. Sorry. We can hear you, Rich. Go ahead. Can you? Okay. Uh, I'm get, I've got uh, two, two potted plants. One a uh, lemon tree and one a lime tree. Okay. And uh, they made it through two summers, but uh, they're not bearing any fruit. Well, it's a little more difficult to grow them in containers, Rich. How large are they now? Well, they're about uh, about five feet. Okay, so that should be plenty, plenty big enough. And lemons and limes should be some of the easier ones to have bare. And what's kind of funny about lemons and limes, you might have some more flowers this fall. And even if it stays hot uh-huh. like last year into October, you can get a fall bloom in lemons and limes, which you wouldn't see in an orange or grapefruit. So that wouldn't be unusual. What you want to do is keep them as healthy as you can. And that depends on the type of soil mix you have and how you water them in your containers. But if you've had them for a couple of years, you're doing pretty well. What you might yeah, want to do is... Yeah, just make sure that you have a regular fertilizer program, but you must have something okay. going pretty well, or you wouldn't still have them. Yeah, well, you know, two two summers so far. <laughs> well, that's doing pretty well here in this here in the desert. So, you know, but realistically, they should flower next spring for sure. But you, you know, getting flowers on lemons and limes in the fall wouldn't be that unusual. Okay, all right. Uh, the other thing I have is I've I've transplanted a oleander tree about five foot and it's doing kind of poorly okay so you transplanted it so you cut the roots off but how much did you cut the top back uh cut the top back about about eight inches okay like a third of the size of the plant or more or less or no no just 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 the top Okay. Well, so it's kind of like trimming a puppy dog's tail. You want to do all your major pruning at one time, so you don't want to keep pruning it. But if you want to keep the top in proportion to what you had in the bottom, how long ago did you transplant it, Rich? Uh, Early spring. Oh, because it's been a while. Okay. So what you want to do is give it extra water, put it on a light dose of fertilizer program, and stand back. It should come out. But uh, where are you located in Scottsdale? What cross streets? um, Hayden and McDonald. Hayden and McDonald. Okay, so you've got pretty good soil over there. So ideally, it should be watered twice a week, fertilized once a month, and it, it, it'll come out. But it's just trying to make amends, and it's stressing from the being transplanted and now the hotter weather. So make sure you right. keep it on a real regular twice-a-week deep-soaking kind of program and feed it. Okay. What uh, is there a special uh, fertilizer? Yeah, the one you have in your garage. As long as it's not weed and feed, it doesn't matter. So if you happen okay, to have great. some ten ten twin or twenty one seven fourteen lawn food, all that's fine. Like we talked a little earlier, the program moderation, not very much at a time, but feed it once a okay. month, and it, it'll pop back out. All right. All right. Great. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, there, there's also it. a have product a called Super Thrive you can find anywhere, which is probably worth using on it. Thank you. Super Bye-bye. Thrive. Uh-huh. Thank you. Uh, Dennis and Glendale. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning, Brian. I have a, uh, I have a question about the uh, uh, queen palms I have in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I've been fertilizing them once a month. 
um, with the uh, grill more palm food. Okay. And then they, and then I uh, I water them uh, every other week, so twice a month. So deep water. Mm-hmm. And you think that I should continue doing that? They're doing well, pretty good. And yeah, I, Dennis. Just, how long? Know, how long have you had them? Uh, fifteen, maybe. Yeah, eighteen years. So you're you're now the palm tree expert on queen palms. If you've had them for that long, you're doing pretty well. You're doing better than most. And, okay, good. Uh, and so if that's what you've been doing for the last fifteen years and it's working, uh, I would keep it up exactly the same. The only thing I would change is if we ended up having a, a heat stroke like we did two years ago in August. You know, at that time, I would give them a lot of extra water, so I'd more put more frequent irrigations. But maybe as, weekly, huh? Yeah, maybe weekly. And uh, so if we have that, you know, severe type of weather. Or any time it's over 115, you give them an extra irrigation. Yeah. I think the biggest thing I did with my queen palms was the uh, the Gromore palm food. That mm-hmm. helped them quite a bit. Well, and, uh, we all like to eat palm trees too, you know. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, and the pink, the queen palms come from Argentina, and where they're at, just not as hot and dry as we are. You know, they come from a more humid climate than we have, okay. and they don't have to go through the summer. So, you know, those that extra, you know, help you're giving them by keeping them well fed, and and the water being deep and regular, uh, that makes a big difference. So, I think you're doing great. All right. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Dennis. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break while we're gone. We've got a couple lines open. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. It's Sharon Brian here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Sundays from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM, KTAR. <laughs> As I lay sleeping, I dreamed I held you in my arms. But when I woke, dear, I was mistaken, and I hung my head and cried. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. If you will only say the same But if you leave me to love another You'll regret it all someday You are my sunshine, my only sunshine You make me happy when skies are gray You'll never know, dear, how much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away. Well, welcome back, folks. Oh, we got to get a little more of that horn in there. I mean, where else do you get sax and clarinet in a song these days? Anyway, Jimmy Davis with the... Well, he doesn't claim to have written it, but... You are my sunshine. Beautiful morning out there, folks. I want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started about the time that song was playing with my grandparents. In fact, my 
used to like to play the clarinet. But anyway, over at our store at 824 East Glendale. We continue today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. Now, now is not the time to plant a peach tree. But if you want to plant some citrus trees or put in maybe a mesquite or an ironwood, it's a perfect time to plant. Great time for palm trees as well. And we're Arizona's largest grower of, you know, commercial palm trees for sale for your house. Whether you want a date palm, Mexican blue, Bismarckia, perhaps a Sylvester palm, whatever your dream may be. If a palm tree is in it, come out and see us. We have beautiful mule palms that look like coconuts. Uh, we have four, three stores here in town. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley of Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe. Or 26470 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. We're open Monday through Saturdays, 8 to 530, Sundays, 10 to 4. Like I say, growing trees here for Arizona's future for four generations. Uh, We'll get back to the phones. Looks like next up we have Cynthia in Phoenix. Good morning, Cindy. Hi, good morning, Ryan. It's nice to hear your voice. Uh, I have a couple of mysteries for you. Okay. Uh, the first mystery is <laughs> I have something growing in my garden, and it's getting a growing on the ground, a long trail. It has um, green, big green leaves with a sort of a speck, uh, a vein running through the vein, through the leaf. I don't know if it's a some kind of a melon or whatever. It gets yellow flowers, and then it turns out that they just dry up and they don't form anything. And just wondering, what is it? <laughs> well, you know what? If you could send us a picture, how large are the leaves, Cynthia? They're about as big as a medium-sized grapefruit or a small grapefruit, and they have a little bit of a curve as it down the stem, and then it goes down pretty wide, and it has a vein growing through the leaf, a white, sort of a whitish vein. You know, I'm not exactly sure, but if you'd like to send a picture into our website or to the University of Arizona Cooperative Extension Service, I'm sure we can find out. Well, now, if they're forming flowers, is it too hot for them to produce? Or well, is this in a garden area where you had vegetables before, where yeah. a seed might have come from one? So, yeah. well, no, yes, I no, for, for, there, well, so for watermelons be. and cantaloupes and any kind of a melon, they could certainly uh-huh. come up this time of year still and do well. Uh-huh. And if you've got it out growing like that, uh, uh-huh. you know, it's probably some type of a melon and that, uh, whatever kinds you were eating in a given time. But uh, yeah. in all the melons will do fine here, except for if they get attacked by white flies. So the the only real enemy to melons in the heat are white flies. You know, melon oh. quality with the sugars and things, it takes heat to make oh. good melons. But if, you ha- but if you have white flies, that's a problem. Okay. I don't have any white flies. Hopefully not yet. Well, but let's I just wait and see what it, it does. It you know, it grows about a foot every day. Well, you know, watermelons will do that. Cantaloupes will do that, too. I mean, melons will grow really fast. So hopefully you get some pollination there with a few bees and you see what it is. Okay. I hope you're right. My other mystery is that I'm not front yard. I have a hedge, and uh, there's something that digs up. This hedge is next to a cement or sidewalk, and it digs up the dirt and throws it on the cement. And I've never seen anything in it. I don't know what it is. I keep cleaning it up. I put things out like um, peppers and, uh, you know, bug spray, stuff like that, and I still throws up the dirt on the cement. Well, is it just a little pile of dirt there on the cement? It's all the way down. It's about uh, 
10 feet long with a hedge, mm-hmm. and it d- digs up and throws the dirt on the <laughs> Well, there's there's two things I can think of that like to dig under hedges. and One are rabbits, and they're going to be in there. You'll see them come out at night if it's a rabbit. And number two is the one that's more problematic, and those are gophers. And the gophers, <sighs> if you want to see a gopher come out, you come out right before daybreak, you know, this time of year about 4.30, and if you mm-hmm. see it out there throwing the dirt up, then it's a gopher. So the gopher, the best thing to do is trap them. Or you could try and poison it with bubble gum. So you could take it bubble gum. So if you can oh, find out with a gopher, where, where if you dig down under the mound of dirt, you should uh-huh. find a hole. And if you open up the hole, and if you get some sweet gum, bubble gum, like juicy fruit gum, and you uh-huh. can put it in there in the hole with the wrappers in it and just yeah. throw something over the top, uh, sometimes little gophers will eat that and it'll plug them up and kill them. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of other ways to kill gophers. And if you get uh-huh. the, if you get really frustrated, you get the movie Caddyshack and it'll show you all different kinds of ways. But in the yeah. meantime, um, see which one it is. You can trap the gophers with traps and things too. I've got to let you go because we're out of time, but have a nice weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for taking my call. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Hey, Lanny and Casa Grande, I'll take you off the air because I just looked up and it's uh, we've only got a few minutes to say goodbye left. Folks, you know, it's great when we can all work together and respect each other and different ideas. You know, and what's really fun is having a discussion with somebody you completely agree with, disagree with, and uh, just find a little common ground so you can find something to talk about and have a good time. You know, it's a beautiful country with a lot of diverse thoughts and ideas, and that's what makes us strong and special. And hopefully it stays that way. But let's learn to get together and work together and just have a little fun. And in the meantime, come out and have some fun and see us at Woodfield Nursery. We'll be back next Sunday with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show.